Every day, scientists are learning more and more about how human brains work and how many of us don't fit into the old-fashioned understanding of how brains should work. But a lot of ideas about parenting and familial relationships still need to catch up to the reality of human variation. Neurological differences are natural, profoundly valuable parts of being in a community together and in being part of a family. Whoever you are, wherever you are in your journey, I am here to explore with you. We are all in this together. Welcome to Neurodiverging. Welcome to Neurodiverging. Thank you so much for tuning in with me today. If you're new here, I'm Danielle, and I'm the autistic parent of one autistic child and one ADHD child, the partner of an ADHD man, and later September update, now we are homeschooling. <laughs> Neurodiverging is dedicated to helping neurodiverse folks find the resources they need to live better lives as individuals and to further disability awareness and social justice efforts to improve all of our lives as part of the larger world community. You can learn more by checking out my website at neurodiverging.com. Please don't forget to hit the subscribe button to make sure you're notified when there's a new episode. And if you haven't had a chance yet, please consider leaving a review, an honest review, on whatever podcast app you're using to stream. I would really appreciate it. It really helps the podcast get in front of a couple more eyes. So for this episode, I want to talk a little bit about perseveration in autism. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about some of the common traits of autism and the question of how to define perseveration in autism came up. I've experienced it before and I notice it in my autistic and ADHD kids, but I found it weirdly difficult to describe to my friend and realized I didn't know quite how to explain it. So I did a little research on the meaning of perseveration. So first thing is, how can we define what is perseveration in autism? Perseveration is commonly associated with autism, even being one of the criteria that the DSM uses to diagnose autism spectrum disorder. However, anyone anywhere can perseverate. You almost certainly have yourself, even if you're neurotypical. So what does perseverative behavior mean? Well, perseverative behavior is simply an action that a person keeps repeating without meaning to, like saying the same words, moving in the same pattern, or even thinking the same unhelpful thought long after what initially prompted the behavior has passed. To perseverate is to feel that feeling of being stuck, that involuntary fixation. The speech or movement or thought repeats over and over without personally, consciously deciding to make it happen. Perseveration can actually look a lot like stimming to the untrained eye, as it can involve repetitive movements like rocking back and forth or repetitive speech like echolalia. It also serves some of the same functions to the individual as stimming does. Perseveration is a way of coping with overwhelm or anxiety. However, perseveration is really different from stimming because perseveration is an involuntary coping mechanism that exacerbates a problem or a feeling. Stimming might be unconscious, but it's voluntary. You can decide not to do it anymore. And stims help you feel better, reduce anxiety. Redirecting a stim might be a little frustrating and create some upset for an autistic person, but forcing someone to redirect a perseveration results in extreme stress for the individual a lot of the time. 
And perseveration is something that everybody does to some extent. It is especially common in people with certain neurodivergences like autism, ADHD, aphasia, Tourette's, Rett's disorder, fragile X syndrome, schizophrenia, OCD, but it does happen to neurotypical folks all the time as well. Perseveration can also occur when someone has a traumatic brain injury or is suffering from a degenerative disease like Alzheimer's disease or Parkinson's disease. So I wanna talk a little bit about some examples of perseveration in autism, specifically in autism. Now there are three categories. There's verbal perseveration, motor, and thought perseveration. And that last one, thought perseveration, is sometimes called cognitive perseveration. It just depends who you're talking to. Some people have all three or do all three. Some people just sort of stick to one type and, and both are kind of normal for autistic folks. So let's look at some examples for each of these categories. The first one I'm gonna talk about is verbal perseveration in autism. And perseverated speech verbal perseveration is repeated speech or other sounds that are not really voluntary and don't really serve a social function. So in autism, we especially see this in the very commonly stereotyped autistic behavior of repeated info dumping. <laughs> so if you think of the stereotypical little kid who can only talk about cars and only wants to talk about cars and who repeats the same facts about cars every time you see him, He's repeating information past the point of utility or social value. That child is perseverating on the topic of cars. And my son went through a phase where he was really stuck on fans. He talked about how many blades fan had, any fan, what sizes they should be for like indoor or outdoor use. He compared and contrasted all of the fans in our house for anyone who would listen to him. He would repeat the same information about fans to any new person he encountered. Anytime we did a Skype call with relatives, he would immediately ask if they had any fans and make them turn them on at varying speeds to see how they differed. His dad and I heard the same 12 facts about fans easily 20 times a day for months and months and months. He was fixated on fans. He perseverated on fans. This focus on fans calmed him and regulated him, which was important, but it didn't help him create social bonds like making friends which is one major goal of speech. Often you want it to be social. Its goal is to be social. Not always, but often. Eventually my son grew out of this fixation and moved on to other things, but he still does talk about fans a lot. We bought him a new one for his room recently, like a new ceiling fan, and it was the discussion around the dinner table for like months. Okay, so that's verbal perseveration. That's our first type. Our second type is called motor perseveration. And as you might have guessed, this is uh, perseveration having to do with the body, with movement. It's defined as a repeated movement of the body that is not fully voluntary. The most common movements depend on the age of the individual, as far as I could find. In autistic children under three years old, I found one student researcher who cited a larger study that identified common repetitive behaviors like, quote, banging objects on a surface, flinging objects back and forth, holding objects for longer than expected, moving objects stereotypically, repetitively swiping objects, and trying to spin objects. Stiffening of the posture, rubbing one's body, and banging on surfaces made up the remainder of bodily perseverations, end quote. Now, I wasn't able to get my hands on the original study, so this is a quote from somebody else's work who, who did see that study. But in my completely anecdotal experience raising one kid with autism and interacting with a lot more, the majority of these behaviors ring true. 
Um, if you have autistic kids or especially under three and you have noticed any of these specific activities, please uh, get in touch, email me. I would love to know if this seems accurate to you as well, because it did to me. Um, my child spun everything he could get his hands on from about 15 months old until about three and a half years old. And then he moved into fans. So oh, he had a brief detour with those um, like light up fidget spinners. They were really popular at the time, but he kind of went right from spinning all of his kind of baby toddler toys and then to spinners and then to fans like right in a row. And all of the spinning is a clear example of motor perseveration in autism. It's, and I think it's a really common example. I've definitely seen other autistic kids spin. Another study I saw mentioned that the most common motor perseveration in adults with autism were things like grimacing and other facial movements and then flapping arms and hands. Again, they are stereotypical, but are very common in autistic adults. And these are, again, involuntary. So not quite the same as stimming. Because um, I know that some autistic adults, myself included, flap our arms and hands when we're excited or when we're stimming. This is a kind of flapping to release stress, and it's not quite voluntary. And obviously, autistic adults with additional diagnoses like OCD or Tourette's might have additional motor perseverations like tics, tremors, uh, complex motor stereotypies, motor programs, and rituals. So it kind of depends on your combination, your unique situation. Now, so that's verbal and motor perseveration. The third kind is called thought perseveration or sometimes cognitive perseveration. And you'll never guess what it refers to, or maybe you did. It's a repeated thought. But what exactly does that mean? Well, one article I read about repetitive cognition and autism, researchers defined thought perseveration and autism in this way, quote, repetitive cognition is a tendency to perseverate on particular thoughts often accompanied by difficulty disengaging with these thoughts. Repetitive cognition ranges from fixation on favorite topics or activities, whether actually doing these activities or merely thinking about them, to rumination, which is a perseveration on negative thoughts noted in typically developing individuals with depression." End quote. In children, cognitive perseveration often stems from some kind of anxiety or worry. So maybe a dog barked at them or a door slammed and it scared them and now they feel like they can't stop thinking about it and how it could happen again. This is rumination, one particularly negative kind of thought perseveration. As an autistic adult, the kind of thought perseveration I catch myself doing most often is repeating conversations I've already had with other people in my mind. I know other people do this too. <laughs> Sometimes I'm actively analyzing these conversations to try to figure out what I might be able to do better next time but often they're just kind of looping through my mind for no particular reason other than my own anxiety about being socially awkward. Another common perseveration I notice in myself and in my kids is our total obsession with whatever book or TV show we're currently into. If I'm into a book, I am into the book. I will think about the characters, the plot, the little details constantly for weeks or months, constantly in the back of my head, even when I really need to be doing other things. As an adult, I understand that no one else around me particularly cares about this book, this one book that I happen to be stuck on, but that doesn't stop me from thinking about it all the time. I'm also really well known uh, for watching TV series repeatedly. I have seen the entire runs of 
Futurama, Phineas and Ferb, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Farscape, lots of others. More than 10 times a piece easy. I can quote entire episodes if you get me started. That is a form of perseveration. My autistic son, a huge nature geek, watches the same episodes of Octonauts over and over so that he can memorize all of the facts associated with the animal of the week. His ADHD sister memorizes all the dialogue and spits it out at random later. It seems completely unrelated, form of echolalia, seems completely unrelated to whatever she's doing at the moment. So we are a whole family of thought perseverators over here in my household. So what is up with all of this perseveration anyway? Well, we know that behavior serves a function. Behavior always means something. Perseveration can mean several different things depending on the person and their age and what's going on. So here are some of the most common reasons for autistics to perseverate that I found. The first one is limited social skills. And when I say social skills, this is a shorthand for neurotypical social skills, okay? We know that uh, autistic folks often have uh, autistic styles of communication that are well understood by other autistic people but we often have trouble communicating or being understood or understanding neurotypical people. And that limitation um, can cause perseveration. So many people with autism struggle with neurotypical social skills, which can include things like knowing appropriate ways to get somebody's attention if you wanna to talk to them, um, understanding social cues, neurotypical social cues within a conversation like being able to tell if someone's bored or ready to move on to a new topic. And we often have problems processing or expressing words. Sometimes this is called aphasia. We sometimes have slow processing speeds um, and, and some of us are just not very quick with words at all, no matter what. So this can be a cause of perseveration. All of these are skills that most neurotypical people don't need to be explicitly taught. They're just kind of picked up through osmosis without particular effort. However, many or maybe even most autistics do need clear training to understand neurotypical social skills, just like many neurotypicals need training to understand autistic social styles. An autistic with limited social skills might repeat the same conversation with you every time they see you because they might not be sure how to engage with you they might not know any other topics to talk about. They might not be able to tell whether you're interested in what they're saying or not. Or it might be so difficult for them to process speech and create new speech that they'll choose to use the script they've already memorized instead, even if it's not really applicable to the current circumstance. And I am um, guilty of that one as well. <laughs> I actually talked about that in a previous episode on echolalia. I think it's like the fourth episode of neurodiverging ever. Um, I am really, uh, it's a common thing for me to use scripts uh, or something I've memorized instead of creating new speech because it is very hard. Um, anxiety is another one of the most common reasons for people to perseverate. And anxiety is also one of the most common conditions to co-occur with autism. Autistics have a much higher rate of anxiety than the general population, and somewhere between 20% and 40% of autistics have some form of anxiety disorder. A person with autism and anxiety might repeat the same concern or idea over and over again because it helps them relieve their anxiety, especially if they problem with no easy solution. Just talking about the problem can make you feel better because you know you can't solve it. Social anxiety can also cause perseveration. Someone who is stressed about speaking with strangers might have a harder time keeping social norms in mind and end up talking too much 
This is a common issue for neurotypicals too, obviously. Have you ever talked too much when you got nervous? I do. And the last big one is that many times perseveration is a reaction to some kind of weakness in either executive functioning skills or information processing skills. These are two sets, interwoven sets of abilities that autistics often struggle with. Um, some examples of perseveration due to a deficit in executive functioning or information processing include things like having slow processing speed, which means it takes longer for our brains to sort and prioritize information and understand what's going on around us. Having difficulty understanding social cues and knowing how to react in a given situation, that can be an executive functioning issue. Um, having thinking that's inflexible, inflexible thinking, and so responding to the same stimulus the same way over and over. So if you keep doing the same thing, I'm gonna keep doing the same thing, okay? Also, having trouble with self-soothing or calming ourselves when we're stressed, that is a very common issue. We often have difficulty regulating our impulses, which means that if we start perseverating, we might not be very capable of stopping ourselves. And a lot of us have difficulty regulating our attention, and sometimes we hyperfocus on a topic for a long time. If we happen to hyperfocus on whatever topic of perseveration is currently happening, we're going to get stuck there. So, now there are some interventions to help curb perseverative tendencies, but before I talk about them, I just want to say you need to consider why do you want to stop autistic perseveration? If a person's perseveration is annoying, but it's not harming you or them or anybody else, please don't consider intervention. An autistic child especially should be allowed to spin their fans or talk about their favorite subject, just like anybody else would, even if the behavior seems excessive to you. In this case, the problem is your perception of the behavior, not the behavior itself. So please try to ignore it, remove yourself to another location, put on your, your noise defenders, just remember that there's no harm in perseveration in and of itself. However, if a person's perseveration is harmful to them in some way, like it's causing physical harm, like they're, they have a motor perseveration that's banging into something and causing bruising or other uh, actual physical harm, if it causes greater anxiety or depression, or if it's causing significant social alienation, um, which is a, a difficult one, However, for, for the, this purpose, say that my perseveration is not allowing me to make friends or communicate with my family members, then considering an intervention might be worthwhile. So I'm going to talk briefly about some common interventions, but I just want to say I'm not a medical professional. This is not medical advice. Not all interventions are appropriate for all situations. So please go talk to a mental health professional, an occupational an occupational therapist, or another specialist about your specific case, okay? One intervention, the first one I think anybody should try, is to talk about your concerns. So all you need to do is gently, calmly, bring up what your worry is about the perseveration in a conversation and see what we say. You can have this talk even with very young kids. Just give us enough time for us to hear you and think about it since a lot of us have slower processing speeds. Many times talking about whatever you're worried about with the perseveration will let us know clearly and directly that you are perceiving a problem and will give us a chance to understand your point of view and also to express our own point of view with you. So this conversation might even relieve your worries. If you're worried that, if you're worried that I'm um, 
making myself more anxious by doing something and I can say to you, no, this doesn't make me more anxious, it makes me feel calmer, then that's that might solve the problem for you just right there without any further intervention needed. Um, so having the conversation might make you feel better or we might both together agree that an intervention to redirect me from the perseveration would be a good idea. So no matter what's going on, I really hope that you will consider talking about it openly and honestly. I think it's the best first step you could possibly have. The second um, thing you should do is make a plan together to help get unstuck. So you and your perseverator are going to talk together um, and hopefully you've agreed that you both think an intervention is necessary for this perseveration. So the next thing you need to do is agree ahead of time what stuck means to both of you in this specific case, okay? Is it like you've been doing this all day and it, I'm worried about your mental health? Is it I feel anxious and I need help getting out of this? Like what's stuck? And then how do we um, communicate that we are stuck among each between each other? So can I give you a signal or tell you when I feel like I'm perseverating and I need help moving away from it? Can you tell me when you're worried about it and we can implement whatever measures we've decided upon? Third, this is an intervention that works really well for some folks. You can put perseveration on your daily schedule. So if your perseveration causes significant anxiety or distress, don't do this. But if you need time to geek out about your favorite TV show repeatedly and at length to calm your anxiety, putting it on the schedule can be a great middle ground for your friends and your family and for you. You get to look forward to your stress relief time and trust that it's coming. Your family doesn't have to listen to the same sentence repeatedly all day and become overwhelmed with it. So it's a win-win, okay? Okay, another option if having a daily schedule doesn't really work for you or your family or your friend is you can have a time limit or use a visual cue to redirect away from the perseveration. So this is also, I will say, a really good option for younger kids. Um, the idea is roughly the same as before. You're going to get to perseverate about whatever you want for a length of time that has been pre-decided. You consent to be redirected when that time is up. And you can achieve this with a time limit and an audible timer or with like a visual cue, like a hand signal or um, a change in environment, going for a walk afterwards, something like that. Um, that can be a really good option for certain folks. And then the last option I have that is, I think gonna work for the largest group of people is a self-monitoring option. So if you perseverate because you're anxious or stressed out, then one thing that can help is improving your self-awareness of being anxious or stressed out. So if you notice that you are perseverating, then you might have a set of interventions ready to go for ways to calm yourself. This is kind of a plan that you can set up with like a mental health professional or sometimes an OT depending on what's going on. But basically what you want to do is learn to notice that you're anxious and notice it earlier than you can right now so that you can kind of cut off the perseveration before it really gets in too deep and before you get stuck in it. You're gonna develop a specific for you plan with a professional mental health counselor or an OT. Depending on what your anxiety stems from, having some kind of self-monitoring system in place can really, really help redirect you away from especially like intrusive thoughts or uh, difficult thoughts. That is my screed on perseveration. 
I hope that it has helped define perseveration and autism for you because I feel like it doesn't get enough coverage and maybe you learn some things about your autistic brain as well. I would love to know if you deal with perseveration, what do yours look like? Because it was really interesting to put this together and doing the research and seeing what different people identify as their perseverations and why they do it. So if you have any feedback on this or any um, input, I would love to hear it. I'm at neurodiverging.podcast at gmail.com or you can go to the website at neurodiverging.com. I want to thank you for being here today. I want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and check out the webpage neurodiverging.com. We do have a Patreon and I would really love to see you there. Until next time, please remember we are all in this together. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved, Dadages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.